Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams. I'm joined, as always, by my partner. Hey, holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight, on the final episode of Black History Month, as we end our conversation exploring the parameters of what does and does not make a black film, we call the curtain down with a film based on a skit from Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Of all places. Starring Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, directed by John Landis, Mm -hmm. with a script co-written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis, Mm -hmm. but also featuring appearances by an array of stars, which puts it Perhaps in our wheelhouse. Perhaps. Including James Brown, Cab Calloway, Ray Charles, Blinkin' You Miss Her, Shaka Khan, mm-hmm. and of course Aretha Franklin. We are talking about 1980s The Blues Brothers. But before we get to that, how you doing, Lynn? I'm doing great, Vincent. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. It was unseasonably warm today, so that was a little off-putting. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, in the 60s today in Philadelphia, sure, ladies and gentlemen, sure. and yeah. that was um, a little, a little weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. To come outside and oh yeah, and just be like, whoa, okay. Oh yeah. I don't need this jacket and this sweat. The climate is completely destroyed. We're living in the final days, but the weather was nice. <laughs> It was. Mm-hmm. It was. And uh, a hearty shout out to each and every one of you out there, ladies and gentlemen, that are watching us as we stream live from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace here in Maniunk, PA. We're streaming to Facebook as well as YouTube, where many of you are sitting in the chat room as we stream for your viewing pleasure. Hello, missionaries. Good evening, one and all. Um, We usually like to start the show getting into a little bit of news and then getting into our features, but we've got a a packed show and we have a lot of emails, Vincent. Okay. All right. Uh, And I tried to cull through them to see which ones I wanted to read on air. Okay. And ultimately, quite a bit of them made it, are going to make it to air. Love, love, love to talk with the missionaries. All right. So without any further ado, let's turn to our missives from the missionaries. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Email number one, Vincent. Email <clears throat> number one. From Nicole Court. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Len and Vince. I hope this email finds you well. It did. Thank, Thank you. you. Since both Black History and Love Month uh-uh. are coming to an end, mm-hmm. I decided to watch nothing but Black rom-coms to celebrate the month of February. Oh, that's nice. Something occurred to me when I was watching those movies. Halle Berry could have easily been one of the leading ladies of black rom-coms, considering she only did one rom-com, which was Boomerang, or if you want to call Strictly Business a Mm rom-com, before becoming an action star people know and love. The question I have for both of you is that if Halle Berry was to ever star in another black rom-com, 
who would you both want to see in a movie alongside her? For me, Nicole says, I would choose either Denzel Washington or Will Smith. It's still bizarre to me that both Denzel and Hallie worked with Spike Lee and won Oscars, but have never done a film or rom-com together, especially during their prime. That would have been hot, sexy, and fun. Hmm. Looking forward to your thoughts, Nicole. Okay. Yeah, they never they, they have never appeared and in a movie. And she said it, I realized they've never been in a movie together. That is interesting. It's weird. Especially considering that their time as kind of like really like box office stars sure. really ran congruent with one another. Sure. Sure. Um I mean I don't know as far as with Holly Berry. I mean, I guess, you know, now you kind of maybe wanted to be like closer to age appropriate yeah, oh, oh absolutely you know absolutely. um so denzel or will might be the only ones really that i can immediately think of even though i think she may be older i don't know mm-hmm. but i think holly berry could easily star alongside sterling k brown now that's a movie right there I could I could see her with with him. That's that's actually a really good call. Um, it might be interesting though, and I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright has shown a slightly different version of himself with American fiction because mm-hmm. it is a satire. Right. So he's allowed to be a little bit more funny, even though he still leans on his dramatic. Right. Chops. Right. And even that, he's more deadpan, funny. Right. Kind of, you know, flustered. I wonder what it might look like for Jeffrey Wright to be in a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. And then I could see him pairing with Halle Berry. That might be an interesting combination. Yeah, it might be interesting. Unfortunately, I really do think you shut down this this conversation immediately. When I said Sterling K. Brown, because the thing about Halle Berry is that she can do screwball. Yes. yes. So the reason before you had said it, the reason I was a little hesitant with Denzel, like I'm thinking of how often has he been funny? Like he's kind of funny in the preacher's wife. I was going to say preacher's wife. But besides the preacher's wife, I don't know how funny Denzel Washington has been. He's humorous in other movies. Is he humorous or is he charming? Okay, that's a good point. Right. Like, Haley Berry is funny. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown in both American fiction and Honk for Jesus mm-hmm. and Save Your Soul is actually funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we look, we can bat this around for a few minutes if you want, but I can't think of anyone better than Sterling K. Brown. Yes. I'm putting all of my chips on him and Haley Berry. And now, I actually want some type of screwball comedy. I need the two of them to be a divorced couple and their millennial kids are are doing something. And somehow they got to, you know, they end up, you know, like like these films that um, what's my girl been making for like the past 20 years? Like, like I need them to make one of these like Nora Ephron, Mm. you know, 60 year old couples still have sex movies here's the thing though this i said Sterling k brown he's a good choice yeah but there's a part of me 
that wants to see Sterling K. Brown really go hardcore rom-com and a little bit screwball. Mm -hmm. But I want to see him beside Regina Hall as a kind of like a return to the chemistry that they had in Honk for Jesus and showing that them doing another side of, of the couple. Look, you look, you know, you're killing, you know, it, you, you, you see that I would love just that. pulling out all the big jokers. I'm just saying, cause, cause I would you, love, you know, cause if you pull out Regina Hall with me, I'm like, Oh, well, hell, you know, I'm just knocking everybody off. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I know. So th that's what, th see, that's, so that's why I want to keep Sterling K Brown. Like, yes, he works well with Holly, mm -hmm. but I kind of want to like slide him off to just be with Regina. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But actually, everybody is good with Regina because you know who else was good with Regina? Who? Don Cheadle in that Showtime show. What was it? Black Monday? Yeah. Don Cheadle and Haley Berry could be good. That would. Now, that's, that's a good, a good combination. One. That's a good one. Because he's another one that is actually, actually very, funny. very funny. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there you go, Nicole. There's a couple. Uh, of now I want to see these movies. I definitely. Me too. Yeah. I'm all for it. All right, we have next on the on our list. Next on the docket, <laughs> we have uh, an an email from a friend of the show, Lisa Alexander. Good evening, Lennon Vincent. I just finished listening to the Watermelon Man and Black Like Me episodes, which oh, okay. I greatly enjoyed. A fellow missionary asked if you two thought Criterion should release Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Mm. My question is this. Did Len's head literally explode or just figuratively explode <laughs> when Criterion not only released Sweetback, yeah. but released it as part of a form film a four-film box set dedicated to his favorite director, Melvin Van Peoples? <laughs> I will say that I have never seen Watermelon Man prior to purchasing the box set, and I enjoyed it. I also agree that while Sweetback is historically important, it is not a good film. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, and, and I will give you, Lisa, as a uh, uh, commemoration of Melvin Van Peoples' place in history— Sweet Sweetback has to be in a collection. So I recognize that. But to do a Criterion Collection single release of Sweetbacks? Yeah. No. No, I would not be for that I'll at probably, all. I think saying? that train left the station. I'm pretty sure they, I know it's part of the box set, but I'm pretty sure you can buy it individually too. Well, I don't appreciate that. You want to appreciate like, no. This, and if I ever get an opportunity You're going to take it out to of, do out one of, of those show those, those you know, episodes where I'm in the closet and I get to choose the, sure. all the movies I want, I'm going to find Sweet Sweet Bass and Sweet I'm going to take every copy. Take every copy from there. Yep. You're going to start with Sweet Back. I'm ta I'm going to take them all. All of them. I don't care if I if I don't care what my quota is, if my quota is going to be filled by taking all of them out. I don't want nobody to ever have have that. Now you're going full Fahrenheit 451 like no one should watch. It. No, they shouldn't. Well, this is healthy. Lisa continues. Go ahead, Lisa. During your review of Dreamgirls. Yes. Lens Top 5 dealt with supporting actors who eclipsed the performances of the lead actor. Yes. I would like to submit two honorable mentions to your list. First is Morgan Freeman's performance in Shawshank Redemption. 
Tim Robbins is good in the film, but Freeman is absolutely magnetic. Mm-hmm. I also love the fact that since character, um, since character is white, or since the character is white in Stephen King's short story, mm-hmm. they left the line in about Freeman's nickname being red mm-hmm. because he is Irish. Mm-hmm. And the film is a joke, and Freeman totally sells it. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. The only reason I even hesitate a little bit is because it's so good. I think there's an argument to be made that Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins are co-leads. Because mm. Morgan Freeman is telling the story. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman has a, a storyline separate from Tim Robbins. Because remember, you know, he, he's in prison after Tim Robbins. He has that whole period. No, he, he's, in, he's in prison when Tim Robbins gets there. No, I mean, after Tim oh, Robbins you mean after he escapes. escapes. Okay. You know, Morgan Freeman deals with being free. And I believe, as she, you know, she mentions the short story. I feel like even in the short story, Red is telling the story. Mm-hmm. So the Tim Robbins character is a character in the story. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the story's about him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree so much that I almost feel like Red is is a co-lead. See, there's an argument to to be made to to agree with her, but I think Tim Robbins is still very very good. So I don't oh, think yeah. so I don't think Morgan Freeman eclipses him. I think he I think like you said, he probably because he's so strong almost rise to, to the role of co-lead. Yeah. But I don't think he eclipses Tim right. in that film. Tim Robbins is great in that film. Yeah, he's really good in that he film. He really is. And, and what's the second one? The second one is Don Cheadle's performance in Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, of course. Denzel Washington brings his usual gravitas, but it is Cheadle's mouth that steals the film. If you don't want him dead, why'd you leave him with me? It's one of the best lines in cinema mm-hmm. history because... Where's the lie? Mm-hmm. I can't wait for your Blues Brothers discussion. Lisa Alexander. Thank you, Lisa. Well, you know, Denzel Washington famously said that the mistake he made in Devil in the Blue Dress is that he played easy. Like he said, he signed up for easy because easy was the lead. Mm-hmm. And then he like read the script and said, oh, well, Mouse is the character. Yeah. But then I don't think Denzel could have done Mouse. I think Denzel might have been interesting. I think he's physically too big, yeah, to play mouse. Like you have to have this this sort of kineticism and movement that that Denzel just didn't have. You have to point. have the that too, but you also because you got to remember where, where Denzel is at that time in his career. Mm-hmm. Denzel is probably at his zenith of superstardom, yeah. so. It's hard to to see him in a character. Right. You know what I mean? And and to kind of go along with that. Frankly, he's too good looking. That's I didn't want to say it like that, but but that is really I mean, what but it that's is. 100% what it is. That's really what it is. Like he's way too good looking to be a a side be, character. He would be distracting. Yeah, so. And you would you would never, you know, like Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But thank you Lisa for the email. Thank you Lisa. Another email, this is from Michael Lockett. Hey, what's up, Michael? Summer in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Happy Black History Month. Vincent Len, you should be proud of what you've created here. 
The Michel Mission is comfort food in film critique form. Everyone, not just our people, is better off from your commentary. Oh, thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, I was incredibly happy to be introduced to Watt Stacks and mm. revisit Summer of Sam. Unlike last week, there is an excellent connection between these two films and the very real look at the 70s both provide. The slice of life and behind the scenes stuff of Watt Stacks shows me, uh, show me, made me remember the happiness I felt as a young child in the 70s. The music didn't hit the mark in the film, but you two pointed us to the recordings, which are smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Summer of Sam, I feel, in no way gives us a black film. I think if Spike could have put his black lens on for it, he would have either drawn parallels or a distinct contrast between the black American and the Italian American communities. Having seen this film originally on the big screen, I will say there was more tension for Leguizama's character when he thought he was being targeted. It could have been the larger-than-life visuals or music in Dolby surround sound. A quick question for you, too. Taking out the blockbusters and tentpole franchises, can you think of a film that just can't deliver on the same screen with its tone and feel like it does on the big screen? And when I say can't deliver, I mean it hurts to watch it at home on the couch. All the best, Michael Lockett. Mm. So taking out the blockbusters, the big tentpole films. Sure, sure. A movie that it on the couch, it's just not the same feel. I mean, my 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 easy one that pops up immediately. I really like seeing Wes Anderson films at the theater. Mm. Just because of his attention to detail. And sort of the set, the, de- the set design, and the costumes, and and I don't know. I, well, that's not cheating because they're not blockbusters. No, they're not blockbusters. You know, he but he very much has his own style and sensibility. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to keep it in the realm of black movies, and I mean, I I I love Barry Jenkins on a big screen. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of his films in the theater. Have you seen any of them on TV? Well, I've seen, you know, obviously I've seen them both in the theater and on television. Did it, how did you feel? And it does hit differently. I think Moonlight hits differently on TV. I, th- I think if Beale Street could talk, it's differently. I haven't seen Beale Street, but Moonlight did yeah, hit differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, all of them. Medicine for Melancholy. Like, I really do think on the big screen that his team, you know, I don't know his cinematographer on the, off the top of my head, but it's so beautiful mm-hmm. that it, you know, again, I love to see his films on the big screen. Well, I've got two answers. Okay. Um, one is in the realm of where you said Paul, uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And that is um, uh, Quentin Tar- Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I think his I think his films lose a little something on the television screen. I recently just rewatched for like the umpteenth time Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. a movie that I love, and I've gotten used to watching that on television. Mm-hmm. So you know I've seen it, but I still viscerally remember 
the impact of seeing it on the big screen. Now, is it because of the film or because of the masterful way he uses music? Uh, it's probably maybe a combination of both. I mean, I think he fills the screen very nicely, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. Now, I didn't see um, The hate, not, not, the Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that on, on in the I still haven't screen. seen The Hateful Eight. You know, it's a long movie, but, but, but here's, but, but to that point, like, uh, kill bill kills on the screen. Yes, it does. It's not the same on television. That's true. It's not the same on television. So, so. Django on the big screen. Django on the big screen is, is breathtaking. You need to see it. You you need to see it. It transports you back in time because Django and at one time, at the same time, transports you back into the time of Westerns and transports you back to the time of the seventies. Right. I was thinking, I was going to say the drive-in. Exactly. Right, like drive-in it feels movie. like you're watching a drive-in movie watching Django. Um, what's what's his the movie that he did with Robert Rodriguez? Dust till dawn? No. Oh, no. Um, uh, Dead proof. Yes. Big screen. Okay. So 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 um uh so Quentin Tarantino, but thinking about black films mm-hmm. and just kind of like maybe going into the to the crates a little bit. Mm-hmm. I never feel the same effect of dead presidents on television that I did on a screen. And I think because in the movie, the epicness of the movie mm-hmm. really stands out because you got to remember dead presidents, you know, because of the, the advertisement, which is like the robbery, mm-hmm. you're thinking of it maybe as this heist film, right? but it spends a great bit of time in Vietnam. Look, it's, you know what it, I mean? It's a, it's a fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that is one that doesn't hit the same on television yeah. for me. It's a good question, especially in this moment when theaters are in danger. I know. Right. I know. Like I'm I'm looking forward this week to seeing Dune, the second part of Dune. Okay. And I did not because I, we didn't, like like most people, I didn't see the first one in the theater. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Seeing that in the theater. Yeah. 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 You know what else you can see at a theater, ladies and gentlemen, on March 20th mm. at the at Bryn Mawr Film Institute, the Michelle Mission, along with the Be Real Black Cinema Club, will be presenting a live screening of Pariah mm. from 2011, one of Len's top 10 favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And yeah. the writer, director, D. Rez feature film debut, Pariah. Screening at Bryn Mawr Film Institute Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. Tickets are on sale right now at BrynMawrFilm.org. Please join us there. It's going to be a great time. We will have free pretzels for everyone, individually wrapped each and every one of you. Well, while supplies last, let's while, put it that while way. While supplies last. We will have free pretzels for everyone. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have uh, actually going to be uh, have a, a, a short film that's going to play before the movie. It's going to be a whole night. It's going to be dressed to impress. You know, I've actually bought a black suit for the, for the occasion. Good for you. Support Black Podcasts. This is Karama. She is the Blurred Girl, a freelance commercial video and film editor by day 
and comic book reading, anime watching, TV, live tweeting, K-pop listening, blog writing, geek girl by night. She uses her blog and her podcast to shine a light on sequential art, comic books, graphic novels, and pop culture with a focus on characters of color primarily created by people of color. Join her on theblurredgirl.com. That's the T H E blurred B L E R D girl G U R L dot com. The blurred girl dot com. Go there and support Black Podcast. We have one more email, Vincent. Okay. And, and this is from longtime friend of the show, George Carmona. Hey, what's up, George? Greetings, gents and missionaries. Top Gun. Yeah. For a sequel to an almost 40-year-old propaganda movie, mm-hmm. Maverick had no business being as good as it was. Mm. Also, to go from one brother in the first movie, jumping to four significant roles was great. Granted, two of them are there for their fantastic, this white boy here, head shakes. And if you ever get tired of Six Degrees, Vince explaining Tom Cruise movies would be awesome. You want to explain another Tom Cruise movie for George? I, 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 just, I can't even think of a good one off the top of my head because I, 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 like, I need all the details of... um. Eyes wide shut. No, no, no. That's not a Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise movie. Like, like, what was, what's, what was the car, the race car movie? The race. Oh, um, something thunder, not rolling thunder. Days of thunder. Days of thunder, where he was a race car driver. I've never seen this movie. You've never seen it, and yet you've completely seen it. I'm sure I have. Yeah. I'm sure I have. You have you seen this? I, I haven't seen it in years. Like, I'm sure there are some wonderful details, but. But yeah, yeah. George continues. Okay, George. For the time period of Summer of Sam, Mm -hmm. New York was nuts. Yeah. Having memories from a child's perspective, I remember the blackout and the Yankees, but that year had so much more. If you get the chance, read Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bronx is Burning by Jonathan Mailer. Mm. It does an amazing dive into 1977 New York politics mixed with the politics of baseball, the threat of a serial killer, and the general pressure pot of living in New York. And I think that's the type of vibe that Spike was trying to go for with Summer Sam. Yeah. Lastly, Mm -hmm. you know, George... Mm-hmm. A huge Star Trek fan. Absolutely. With Star Trek Discovery ending. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be a final Spock adjacent send off for a show that birthed a streaming service. Vince, one last jump to warp for our captain. Yeah. All right, look, let's. George Co- Let's, oh my God. Look, I didn't even get done and you're already shooting it down. I'm not at all. I was going to say, let's fly. We'll, we'll do one special Spock adjacent at the end of the season. At the end of the season? Yes. When does the season start? The in, season starts in, in a few weeks, I in think. In a few weeks. In March. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, there you go. There you George go. Kamana. Yeah, yeah. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Vince's promise yes. that we will do a proper send-off proper of Spock send-off. Agent, yes. Spock adjacent to coincide with the ending of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll be nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, there you go. All right. Well, there's our missives, ladies and gentlemen. All if right. you want to hear your thoughts and share them with Vince and me here live on the show, please send us an email at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. All right. All right. Let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. It is now time for the top five. My top five is you. 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 Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent a list and he gives us his scintillating commentary mm. on said list and we're going to keep it in theme all right vincent keep it themed we are reviewing the blues brothers yes we tonight. are a jake and elwood blues mm-hmm. a fictional tale yes of a brother singing group mm-hmm. front of a band but i give you the top five brother brothers top five brother brothers Actual brothers. Actual brothers. Who led singing bands. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. In my order. In your order. Your list achievement. Okay. So see if you agree not only with the brother brothers that I select, Mm -hmm. but the order in which I place them. The level of achievement. All right. What we got. All right. Number five. Well... I would start with number five, but I do want to just mention real quick that I did have one honorable mention. Honorable mention. That I thought that you would appreciate. The six finger. Yes. The six finger. And that would be? That would be Robert Poole Bell and Ronald Bell. Mm -hmm. The two of the co-founders of Cool and the Gang. Cool and the Gang. That's a good one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool in the gang, a historic R and B um, band. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, before they become came more of a group. Right. Sure. Type of thing. Huge hits in the seventies and eighties. Speaking of Quentin Tarantino. Yes. The money they made off of Jungle Boogie. That's right. And Tarantino. Yeah. Um, they are honorable mention because for one reason and one reason only. Okay. It's because while they are the co-founders of the group, mm-hmm. they're not the leads of the group. Sure. They're not the lead voices. Sure. As far as I know, I don't believe they sang at I all. Say, I don't think they sang at all. Yeah. Right. Because they, they kind of like created the band and right. then found singers to sing songs. Right. And you're saying singers. It Was it anyone besides J, not JC? Well, I mean, some he sang like their biggest hits. In the 80s, celebration right. and things like that. But I don't think he's the lead on Jungle Boogie. Well, I mean, Jungle Boogie is just. Well, so I'm just, I'm just saying. Know, so, so he's not the voice of all of their hits. Right. He's, a hit, he's the voice of most of their hits, so, to be fair. No, I'm, I'm saying, my, my, and, well, you know, let me 
do the disclaimer. My cool in the gang is very shaky. Really? I thought they were a funk band. They were at first. Until he came. Until JT Taylor, James right, Taylor. JT, and then you moved into like the smoothed, 80s. Smoothed the edges right. and they became more right. of an R&B group. Yeah, I didn't yes. think there was any vocals before JT. Like we're saying Jungle Boogie, but that's just dumb jamming and going and Jungle, Jungle Boogie. boogie. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, right, because as you can probably guess, I'm not a huge post-JT Cool in the Gang fan. Doesn't sound like you're much of a Cool in the Gang fan. I mean, I respect them. They're not my go-to, but but like once JT comes in in the 80s, I'm not a, like, I don't need Celebration or Ladies Night. Or, you don't like Too Hot? Boy, I was just about to fix my mouth to say, but I like Too Hot. <laughs> that's my one. That's my one right there. Too Hot. Yeah, that's, that's but my... Besides that, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, All right. So that's my honorable, honorable mention. Honorable. All right. Well, who's number five in the list official? Number five, Jagged Edge. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jagged Edge, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. An American R&B group from Atlanta mm-hmm. um, that was initially signed to Jermaine Dupri's So So Deaf Recordings mm. features the work of identical twin lead singers Brian and Brandon Casey as well as Richard Wingo and Kyle Norman making out the uh, quartet. The group's debut album, A Jagged Era, performed modestly at the time of its release, but however, it did achieve gold status. But with their subsequent albums released from 1998 to 2007, they all became commercial successes, especially uh, J.E. Heartbreak, which featured like their biggest hits, Let's Get Married, He Can't Love You, Walk Right Out of Heaven, Jagged Edge, number five, Brother Brothers. All right. Who's number four? You're not a Jagged Edge fan? What do you want from me, Lynn? The wedding song, the, the, the remix. Let's Get Married? Yes, the remix with, Run, with, with, with Reverend, Reverend Run. Run. Yeah. yeah now, like that? Yeah, now they call you the preacher's wife, but certainly... I don't know if they would be on a list of, but but go ahead. Hey, it's not my list. That's number five. It's your list. All right, what's number four? That's number five. All right, we want to start up with Jagged Edge. Started with Jagged Edge. Sure, who's number four? Number four. Mm-hmm. The top five brother brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hailing out of Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. In 1991. Mm-hmm. Bone Thugs in Harmony. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Which features the work. I guess we're on camera. I can't just take my phone out and start looking at other stuff. <laughs> the hip hop, slightly R&B-ish group. We used to tape this at your house and wasn't no cameras on. I could just start scrolling on my phone. Features featured the work of Busy Bone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wishbone. Mm-hmm. Lazy Bone. Yeah. Crazy Bone mm-hmm. and Flesh and Bone. Sure, sure. <laughs> it did. <laughs> oh, I believe you. Only two of whom are actual brothers. Mm. And that would be uh, Flesh and Bone. Sure. And I believe uh, Lazy Bone. Oh, well, of course. 
but everyone else, but but they all call themselves brothers. Like like they say in Zooland, he's my brother, not my actual brother, but the way that black people use the word. Right. <laughs> they had their breakout hit in, um, in 1991, Thuggish, Ruggish Bone. Mm. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember that song? And then, of course, they followed it up in 1995 with their second album, um, E-1999 Eternal, which included hits The First of the Month. Yeah, it's The First of the Month. And their hit song, mm-hmm. The Crossroads. See you at the crossroads. Crossroads, crossroads. Yeah, yeah sure. A tribute to the then recently deceased mentor, Eze, which won a Grammy Award in 1997. Sure. And. Oh, there's an and. There's Bone Thugs and Harmony mm-hmm. are the only group mm-hmm. to have worked with renowned rappers, Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. The notorious B.I.G., mm-hmm. Easy E, mm-hmm. and Big Pun while they were all still alive. Okay. That's actually a nice little tidbit. And uh, I knew they had worked with, with Tupac and Biggie. Biggie. Yeah, right. I knew that. Yeah. And of course, well, they work with Easy, you know, right, right, right. them. About.com ranked them number 12 on its list of the 25 best rap groups of all time. And an MTV called them the most melodic hip hop group of all time. Well, certainly, if you can't believe About.com and MTV when it comes to hip hop, who can you believe? They were my sources. Yes. So, number four. Yeah, yes, Bones Thug is hard. Number three. Because we've had Jagged Edge and Bo- Boy, who's number three? Number three. Mm-hmm. You can take them by either their first name or the name on which they went out on. Their first name was the Jackson Five. Oh, all right. See, now you They went out some, on talking, the Jacksons. Now you're talking about some siblings. Out of get. They're all siblings, Vincent. Right. They're all family. Yes. The Jackson Five, the Jacksons, the American pop band out of Gary, Indiana, which originally featured Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and Michael, mm-hmm. managed by their brother Joe. The group Father was a, Joe. Father Joe, excuse me. The group was among the first African American performers to attain a crossover following. Um, for such hits as I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, I Will Be There. They famously left Motown in the 70s to go to Epic Records. Mm-hmm. All except Jermaine. That's right. So then they're He was younger, married to Barry Gordy's daughter. Right. So he stayed with Motown. So younger brother Randy was moved up in the ranks. Mm-hmm. And then the name of the group was changed from the Jackson Five to the Jacksons, mm-hmm. um, where they released successful albums, Destiny mm-hmm. and Triumph mm-hmm. and the singles Enjoy Yourself, Shake Your Body Down to the Ground and Can You Feel It? Mm-hmm. The Jackson Five has sold more than 100 million records worldwide. And in 1980, the brothers were honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as the Jacksons and were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Mm-hmm. Two of their recordings, ABC and I Want You Back, are among the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped Rock and Roll, and alongside I'll Be There, were also inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Okay. Now, the curious thing is, this is an order of success. You have two sibling groups 
in front of the Jacksons. Yes, I do. Interesting. Who's number two? Number two. Mm-hmm. On the top five brother brothers. Mm-hmm. Above the Jackson five. Is. Or Jacksons. Mm-hmm. KC and JoJo. Well, this is certainly your list. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. KC and JoJo Haley won uh, Cedric and Joel Haley. I didn't know Joel was actually his name. Uh, do you do, do you feel like it's enhanced your life that now that you now you do know? I do because I'm ready for any trivia contest. Yeah, where Joe to see will certainly come up. Well, this is KC and JoJo. Oh, just KC who did jo- front so- Joe to see. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. They were the lead singers of the chart-topping R&B group Jodeci, mm-hmm. which also featured the the Great Brothers, uh, Dalvin and Devante, uh, Devante. Sure, sure. They were known for their 1998 smash hit "All My Life." This is Casey and JoJo. Mm-hmm. This is their 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 career after leaving Jodeci, oh, which was a huge success mm. as an R&B group sure, that sure. R- at, at the time rivaled only boys to men for R- R&B gr- uh, group supremacy sure, sure. In, the, in the 90s. Sure, this is, they're above the Jacksons. This is all fascinating. Who's number one? Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not finished with KC and JoJo. Really? No, I'm not. Because it's like 745 we're talking about KC and JoJo. Known for their 1998, this smash, All My Life, which was the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks and received multiple Grammy nominations. They also featured artists on another number one Billboard Hot 100 hit uh, Tupac's How Do You Want It, which also received the best rap performance by a duo or group nomination they achieved mainstream success with the 1999 hit tell me it's real which peaked at number two on the billboard uh hot 100 complex magazine ranks the groups first on their 1990s male r&b group pyramid of excellence list in 2014 as one of the most influential groups of the 1990s and the and one of the best r&b groups of all time that is uh Speaking uh, specifically of Jodeci, who has sold more than 200 million records worldwide to date. All right. Okay. Would you like to? I'd like to know who number one was. Let's go ahead. and. Okay. All right. I'll go straight to number one. Straight to. Dog in the car and drive him to a farm upstate. This is a a huge band Mm -hmm. that featured not one, not two, Mm -hmm. but three brothers okay and that would be earth wind okay and fire rights among the best-selling bands of all time absolutely band was formed in chicago by maurice white Mm -hmm. in 1969 and prominent members have included his brother verdeen white philip bailey ralph johnson larry dunn al mckay um Roland Bautista, Robert Brookins, Sony Emery, Fred Ravel, Ronnie Laws, Sheldon Reynolds, and Andrew Wolfalk. And then at one time, their um, half-brother Fred joined the group mm-hmm. as well. Fred, Fred White. Earth, Wind & Fire has won six Grammys out of 17 nominations, four American Music 
Awards. They've been inducted into in, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame, the NAACP Image Award Hall of Fame, and Hollywood's Rock Walk, earned a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They've also received an ASCAP Rhythm and Blues Soul Heritage Award, a BET Lifetime Achievement Award, a Soul Train Legend Award, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, the 2012 Congressional Horizon Award, and the Kennedy Center... Kennedy Center honors in 2019. Rolling Stone has called Earth, Wind and Fire innovative, precise, yet sensual, calculated, yet galvanizing, and declared that the band changed the sound of black pop and is one of the greatest bands of all time. 100% true. 100% true. Right. And deserving of being number one. Sure. On the list of top five brother brothers. Right. And and certainly, but considering that this is a list that doesn't have DeBarge on it, doesn't have, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's right there in the name, actually, the Isley brothers mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, hell, I'd throw the whispers and okay. the silvers on before a couple of... People on this list, but okay. it, but it's your list. Is it? It's my list. But here, here, here's where here's where I'm going to go with. Okay, go with this. All right, I'll make an argument for the Isley Brothers. Right, you got a you got a legit case for the Isley Brothers. Oh, do do I have a legitimate case? Yeah. for a group that's been making hits for fifty years and damn near invented rock and roll and soul music. Thank you. Okay, you got okay. You, you got an argument for the Isley uh, Brothers. Okay. I can do that. All right. Okay, you happy? DeBarge, um, I don't think their their success. I don't think as much as, as much as people want to, you know, certainly have, Jagged Edge is better than Mar- Jagged Edge had a, a more successful career than DeBarge. They did. They I did. Don't know if they did? They, no, I know that they did. No, I don't know if they did. Like, no, I'm, I'm telling to, you, they did. They had a better, a more we, successful career than what DeBarge. We, how are we? If you want to, if you market, successful, if, you can. I'll tell you how you can market. You can market whichever way you want. Longevity. They lasted longer than DeBarge because DeBarge okay. flamed out. They famously all felt flamed out. Okay. Um, how many albums did Jagged Edge have? They had a, about seven albums. DeBarge did not have seven albums. Jagged Edge had yes. seven albums? Yes, just because you didn't listen to them doesn't mean that they didn't no, have no, them. No, 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 I yeah. understand that part. Yeah, yeah, they had seven albums. They had seven albums, and at least five of them went platinum. Yes. Yes. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Jagged Edge had a, a more successful career than DeBarge. Okay, go ahead. They did. It, which means that they also had a more successful career than the Silvers. Okay, the Silvers. I was just thinking of brother groups. All right, so that knocks yeah. them, so that knocks mm-hmm. them down. Okay. Okay. The reason why I put Casey and JoJo begrudgingly, right? Not Jodeci. Yeah, not Jodeci. Casey and JoJo. Right. Uh, but uh, but taking their whole career in totality, that they were able to continue on as themselves as as a. As, brothers as a duo and still have success right the reason why i put them over the jackson five not michael jackson not jermaine jackson not janet jackson well you said the jackson five but the jackson five reason i put the jacksons and and the jacksons is because 
I love the Jackson 5. You love the Jackson 5. Uh -huh. We both love the Jacksons. I would argue. Okay. That unfortunately, time has not been kind to the memory of the Jackson 5, especially the Jacksons. I like their epic the music they did with Epic, I think some of it very much stands up, but I don't think it is as well remembered as their Motown stuff. I think when people think of okay. the Jackson Five, no, they no, go no. right back to the. I agree. They go right back to the Motown stuff. But certainly that is eternal. But here's the other thing: I also think that when people think about that Motown stuff, I bet there's a lot of people and. Even surprisingly, even uh, I would argue a lot of black people, like generations younger than us, mm -hmm. that hear that music and hear Michael Jackson and not hearing the Jackson 5. They're hearing that, the, oh, that was little Michael. They're not hearing Jackson 5. They're not giving that but credit to the Jackson 5. it's still the Jackson 5? Yeah, but I, I, I don't think that they're, they're... Like, it's still the group. But, but I don't think that f the group resonates in people's memory like I think Michael Jackson has has eclipsed their memory so much no, that no, he no. has no, subsumed no no certainly more than them but to say that the Jackson five mm -hmm. is not iconic as the five of them like even if it's just that snapshot that ABC snapshot I think that's all five of them no it is all five of them but I think I, I, this is my read of it. I could be 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. But my read is that when the average person, and admittedly, I'm thinking about generations younger than us. When they think of those, they see that snapshot well, of- Why are of, you just thinking about them now? Like we're thinking about everybody. Like if you think, <laughs> God bless the young people. <laughs> I'm not basing anything on them. Like I thought we were talking about everybody. In that case, Earth, Wind, and Fire shouldn't have been on there if we talking about the young people. You can't talk to the young people. First of all, you can talk to them. You can talk to them, but you know, you got to talk to them like they're the young people. Well, but I think that the young people still remember, they, they still, oh, there's Earth, Wind, and Fire. I think, I think when they listen so to- So you're trying to tell me the young people remember Earth, Wind, and Fire. More they, than the Jackson they Five. Know that, they know that that was, the, oh, that's that's that group that my mom listened to. It was the Jackson Five. When they hear the, the old Jackson, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, when they hear, hear old Jackson Five records, they're hearing, oh, that's little Michael Jackson. So they hear Earth, Wind, and Fire and say, oh, well, that's Verdine on guitar. They're not hearing, no, they're not hearing the brothers, but it's the band. So Jackson Five, you can focus on Michael. I'm telling you, they but do. Earth, Wind, and Fire. They, I'm telling you, they you do. You can acknowledge them as brothers. I'm telling you, I think people just hear Michael. They hear Michael. But Earth, Wind, and Fire. But Earth, Wind, and Fire. They hear the White Brothers. No, I'm not saying they hear the White Brothers. Then what is? What are you talking about? I'm saying that I don't think that people are. I'm, this is a ridiculous list. It's not a ridiculous. I reject this list out of hand, put it in a car, we're going to drive it to the farm upstate so it can run around with other lists. And, and yeah, that's what happened. We, we put them in the car while you were in school. We're going to put this list in the car while you're in school. List. And we're, it is, it's a very good list. And we're going to put the list in the car and drive to a farm upstate so that it can run around with the other list 
and it's got lots of room and you don't have to worry about feeding and walking the list anymore. But it's a very good list. Okay. All right. All right. Let me ask you this then. Taking that list, obviously you would put the Jackson 5 above KC and JoJo. Knowing you, you will probably take KC and JoJo off. So let's let's say if you took that list and you had Earth, Wind & Fire, then you had Jackson 5 and slot in the Isley Brothers. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, who are you contending that you should be on that list besides Casey and JoJo and Jagged Edge. Cause you're saying the barge and I'm you, telling you, you just, their career is though. The just, two of them careers just eclipse. Aimed. You just, we just said the Osley brothers. I said, I, I, I gave you Osley brothers. I gave you Osley brothers as number I'm three. Tell you, I'd put the whispers on before I'd put Jagged Edge on. I uh, see, you see, okay. Th th all right. All right. Let's see. Come on, let's keep there it moving. Into a personal let's keep bias, it's, 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 come on, let's keep I, it moving. I, I, I let's keep it let's keep it moving. I, I can't mess with the Like rest. I said, it's a very good list. It's a wonderful Don't pat list. me on my I'm, head. I'm not patting you on your head. Hey, I feel the pat on my head. Just understand when you go to school tomorrow, we're going to take the list to a farm upstate so that it can run around with this other list. And one day we can go visit on the farm. No, not that weekend, because we have something to do. I think we're busy that weekend, too. Okay, I don't know about that weekend. We'll try, but we'll see. Jagged Edge had a very good career. That's what I hear. A better career than the Barge. Okay. It's now time for the Game of Kings, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we move on to the Six Degrees of Derville Martin. <laughs> Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent two actors and he has six films or less to connect them to the number one brother, brother. He's his own brother. Derville Martin. That's right. Of 70s fame. Keeping it in theme, Vincent. All right. I have two acting brothers. Okay. For you. Okay. Let's see who it is. Let's see who it is. In six films or less. Who is it? Who Connect is it? Derville Martin. Two, two. Two. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. Dennis Quaid. I was hoping you was going to do them damn Quaid brothers. Because now I get to do two weird ass movies. Because Dennis Quaid. Mm -hmm. You get to him real fast. Yes. Because Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. With Sidney Poitier. Mm -hmm. Sidney Poitier is in A Raisin in the Sun with Lou Gossett Jr. Yes. And Lou Gossett Jr. Yes. And Dennis Quaid. Yes. Are in Enemy Mine. I don't think so. I do think so. I'm going to look. Oh, you're right. I, I know I'm right. I love Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine is one of my favorite movies of all time because it is the most bananas movie. Have you seen Enemy Mine? I saw it a long time ago. Oh my God. Enemy since. Mine is glorious. I haven't seen it since. Luke Gossett Jr. won an Oscar 
for an officer and a gentleman. The whole world should have opened up for him. They put him in a full body prosthetic rubber suit to play an alien Muslim, basically, in enemy mine with Dennis Quaid. And they fight on a planet <coughs> and, and end up getting along, realize they have more in common than not. Mm-hmm. And then Lou Gossett Jr.'s alien lays an egg and has a baby. Wow. And dies. He has to. Then it's like an hour of the movie left. Really? <laughs> then it is the most bizarre movie. So then Dennis Quaid has to raise the little alien child. And then the alien child gets kidnapped by space slavers. And then Dennis Quaid has to go. It is the most bizarre film. It sounds bizarre. I don't I don't remember it to that extent. Oh, I loved Enemy Mom because even as a teenager, I said, this is a bananas film that no one is going to love but me. But now I love this movie. Very good. Well done, Vincent. Is Randy next? Yes. The next would be Dennis's brother, Randy Quaid. This is how you get to Randy Quaid. Very you easy. know what? Let's see if I can get to Randy Quaid and have fun because I'm never going to be able to use Morris Day again. Okay. Dervo Martin mm-hmm. is in. Okay, well, I got to get out real quick. So Dervo Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in. Um, is in Mo Better Blues with Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes is in Sugar Hill. Yes. With Clarence Williams III. Yes. Clarence Williams III is in Purple Rain. Yes. With Morris Day. And Morris Day is in Moving with Randy Quaid. Moving. That's the that's the Richard Pryor. Pryor. Obviously, Richard Pryor would have been the easiest way to get to it. But again, when am I going to be able to use more stay again? Moving. I was going to say because remember, more stay played his daughter's boyfriend. But then that would assume that you knew anything about moving, and why would you know something about moving? I only know that Richard Pryor was in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've never seen it. It's another really bizarre movie because it's Richard Pryor doing a Bill Cosby, a Cosby show era, Bill Cosby cosplay. Yeah. You see what I did there? Cosplay. So it's just a weird, like, like, what am I watching right now? Yeah. 1988. Yeah. Not not exactly the height of Richard Pryor's powers. It is not a good movie, but again, it's that weird moment. Where like if you were a black actor above the age of 40, they just kind of showed you clips of the Cosby show and then you had to go do this. Right. Like like I'm a black dad and I got some kids because like who's do you have it up moving? Yeah, because it's like him 
and like Stacy Dash or Karen Parsons plays his daughter. Uh, let's see. Stacy Dash plays the right. Stacy Dash and it's like some twins, like twin boys, and who plays his wife? Beverly Todd. Beverly, there you go. There you go. So think about that. Like two little precocious black boys play twins. Stacy Dash is his daughter. And then Beverly Todd is his wife. And they are nice, educated, middle-class black people. Mm. But Richard Pryor is the dad. This movie features a young, we have to imagine young, uh, not only Randy Quaid, Dave Thomas of SC, uh, mm-hmm. SCTV fame. I don't remember him. Dana Carvey. I don't remember him. Morris Day, as you mentioned. Yes. The wrestler King Kong Bundy. I do remember King Kong Bundy. And in an uncredited role, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it's a bizarre film. Randy Quaid plays his neighbor who he hates. And then, you know, as, as a it type, says here, Randy Quaid plays two characters. Well, I was about to say, then he moves across the country next to Randy Quaid's twin brother, who's just like, right. Cause he, Randy Quaid plays Frank and Cornell Crawford. Yes. Interesting. It's a terrible movie though. Maybe it'll make its way on the mission. Come what may. <laughs> I see what you did there. But there you go. The Quaid brothers, the Quaid brothers. Very good, Vincent, and well done. Right, as I didn't, always. I was hoping to, like I said, ooh, he might do some brothers. I was like, okay, well, he's not going to do the Goodings. That'd be too easy. That'd be too easy. And then I was like, well, who are some other? And I thought maybe you might mix it up and throw some Baldwin's in there. Yeah, that would have so been like, kind of easy. Too. Like I was trying to do do the Baldwin's, and uh, I was going to actually do Black Brothers, but the brothers I was going to do was Wood Harris and Steve Harris. Wood Harrison, Steve Harris. But Steve Harris has done, I mean, he's done movies and movies that we've seen, but he's primarily a television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you get to Steve Harris because of um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Right, right. And then Wood Harris is in a couple of things. He's in a couple of things. He's actually done more TV himself, yeah. mm-hmm. even though he's seen like a yeah. bigger star. Um, so I must admit, I was a little ready for this one. Like I said, I had all these brothers in my head. Well, well done. All right. I had brothers in my head, too. I had brothers in my head. So. I had a lot of brothers. A lot of brothers. Listen to Jagged Edge. <laughs> Go ahead. Introduce them. All right. All right. Time for us to get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, of The Blues Brothers. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Why are you guys going to do the same act? They wear the same focaccia suits. You'll scare people away. Thank you. You are such a disappointing pair. I'm going to become a priest. You contemptible pig. You gotta learn not to talk to nuns that way. White men. White women. 
is calling you. How, 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 how. Six miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Do you see the light? They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. You just tell us where they are, and there'll be no trouble. of unnecessary violence in the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. The Blues Brothers, a 1980 comedy starring Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi. Stars John John Belushi, speaking of brothers. Not just John Belushi as Juliet Jake Blues and Dan Aykroyd as his brother Elwood. The story is a tale of redemption for paroled convict Jake and his brother Elwood, who set out on a quote mission from God mm-hmm. to prevent the foreclosure of the Roman Catholic orphanage in which they were raised. To do so, they have to put their band, the Blues Brothers, back together and throughout the journey of putting the band together, finding a gig, they have a series of misadventures culminating in quite the culmination. Besides John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, this is a film that features appearances from Cab Calloway, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, John Lee Hooker, and Blink If You Miss Her, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. This was the choice of Lynn Webb as we end Black History Month and finish answering the question, what is a black film during this month? Lynn, what do you have to say about the Blues Brothers? Before I say what I have to say about the Blues Brothers, let me just say this. The missionaries must think you spit gold. Because I know we will not get one email about this culminating in a culmination. Culminating in a culmination. No one will even mention it. That's right. Vince said it. It sounds right. Hey, culminating in a culmination. Is that not true? <laughs> Does it not culminate? Is it not a culmination? The Blues Brothers, ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. 1980. Um, 1980 is prime time Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Right? And you got to remember, as much as people herald about Saturday Night Live right now, ladies and gentlemen, in 1980, Saturday Night Live is like must-see TV on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, late night. 
and the not ready for primetime players, almost all of the stars, heavy hitters, each and every one of them. And at the top of the pack are Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. John Belushi, especially because he is coming off uh, in 1980 off of the success of Animal House. Right, right. From two years earlier. Animal House, a movie that set the bar for insane college, you know, uh, teen TNA comedies. Mm hmm. And John Belushi was its star. Yet on television, on Saturday Night Live, his partner was Dan Aykroyd. Uh, maybe a little bit more erudite of a comedian, if you want to mm -hmm. say. Um, a little bit more eccentric of a taste, but no less funny. Mm -hmm. And together, they joined their mutual love of classic soul music from the 50s and 60s to comprise this duo, this fictional duo, the Blues Brothers, who were these two white guys who would go on stage with a real band and they, much to their credit, would sing old soul songs mm -hmm. on uh, Saturday Night Live. And they beca it became a big hit it became a bit a recurring hit on Saturday Night Live and was one of the first skits from Saturday Night Live to be, be kind of like spun off into a feature film. Was it the it first? May, it may have been the first. Yeah, actually, I thought it was the first. Was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 to do this, it required them now to build out this mythology Mm -hmm. of this group. And that was tasked to Dan Aykroyd, who was the writer and the more disciplined performer yeah. of the two. Yeah. So Dan Aykroyd wrote this incredible backstory for the Blues Brothers that would be, in his mind, the script for the movie. Mm -hmm. Incredible because... It is literally the Lord of the Blues. It is <laughs> a 324-page script <laughs> for a two-hour movie. The tomb. The tomb of the Blues Brothers. Mm -hmm. um, at which point John Landis is brought in. It's like, hey, John. <laughs> He just kind of whittled this down. Now, to his credit, Dan Aykroyd, as funny of a writer, a comedic writer as he was, he, he, he had never written a script. Sure. He didn't do nothing about writing a script. So in sure. him, he did what a lot of first-time writers do. They create this huge backstory and think that that is the story. And mm -hmm. that's not it. And John Landis, uh, uh, um, a hit maker of a director and writer, worked with John Belushi in Animal House, uh, was brought in to pare this down, mm -hmm. knock this script down to its bare essence. And in doing so, he created a film that is not only the homage to old soul music that mm -hmm. they wanted to 
keep inherent to the Blues Brothers ethos. He also, I think, creates a film that is an homage to the great comedic films of the 30s and 40s Ooh. that harken back to um, famous comedic teams such as Laurel and Hardy, mm-hmm. um, the Abbott and Costello, mm-hmm. even a bit of the Three Stooges. Mm. And it is all on display in the uh, slapstick comedy that is happening here that is over the top explosions, over the top, you know, comedic, cartoonish violence mm-hmm. that is happening in this. There's, some might say there are aspects of this film that are homages even to the Warner Brothers cartoons of that time. Sure. With the with explosions and car chases and, and pratfalls and falling from the sky and all of this type of stuff. The story is bare bones. Sure. It's the, the, the Jake Blues gets out of jail um, after he, he had to, he went to jail. His brother Elwood meets him. They've fallen on hard time. The band is broken up, but the orphanage that where they grew up is about to get kicked out of uh, its home in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they are now on a mission from God. Mission from God. To raise the money so that they will not lose the or- orphanage. Won- can uh, stay in its in Sure, its sure. They can pay the taxes. Pay the, pay the back taxes. Mm-hmm. Which makes no sense because the orphanage is part of the Catholic Church. Church. Yeah, but I mean, they, they say that if the Catholic Church was interested in keeping it, but they have right. no interest in oh, keeping right. it. So yeah, the, so. Which is thus why the taxes sure. become due. Because sure. otherwise they wouldn't have, this yeah. tax wouldn't be a problem. So, so... Now they've got to go on this journey, and it's basically and it's basically a road trip. It's mm-hmm. a road trip to put the band back together, and then to find a, a a way to perform in such a venue that will make enough money for them to uh to pay off the taxes. Right. And in on this road trip, they come afoul, run afoul of the Chicago police, mm-hmm. the parole board, because Jake is out on parole, mm-hmm. um, the, the state police, mm-hmm. the the Nazi regime mm-hmm. in in America, because they run afoul of them. Right. <laughs> um the military, mm-hmm. the, there is literally the world mm-hmm. at at one point or another is chasing the Blues Brothers, the good old boys, the good old don't the forget, good old boys, the band, the, the good, good old boys, old boys mm-hmm. is, is are chasing them, and a jilted lover, <laughs> and one Princess Leia herself, Carrie Fisher, good old Carrie Fisher, who may be the most violent of all of all of them. <laughs> So, because while everyone else is chasing them with cars, yeah, just uh, wishing to lock them up, yeah, and maybe get a punch in it here or there, mm-hmm. she's chasing them with bazookas, mm-hmm. flamethrowers, mm-hmm. mortar, mm-hmm. missile launcher, missile launchers. Missile launcher. She's she's blowing she's blowing up city blocks. Yeah, yeah, all to get back. At Jake Blues. Jake, yeah. Who has jilted her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a cartoon of a movie. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, 
It's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this movie when I saw it in the theaters in 1980, ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. and, and I've enjoyed it every time I've returned to it, including last night. I enjoyed so much of this movie. Um, John Belushi, uh, an actor gone too soon. Um, yeah. This film is in 1980. I think he's gone within three, four years after yeah. this film um, because uh, unfortunately, due to a massive cocaine addiction yeah. that was on display in the making of this film, the, the, the backstory you, you, you know, you, you talk about the heart of darkness being better than <laughs> the apocalypse now. How about that? A document, a true documentary about the making of the Blues Brothers, ladies and gentlemen, is the only thing that could eclipse yeah. the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Because um, John Belushi was out there. I mean, just a tidbit. John Belushi was late to set one day. So Dan Aykroyd went looking for John Belushi. John Belushi was and this film was famously shot in in and all over Chicago and the in the surrounding areas. John Belushi was asleep at the home of someone who lived by the set. Yeah. Not not right. just, uh, not a, a house that was booked for the set. Right, right. Just a house yeah, just a that was house. next door yeah. to the set. He had gone there in a coked out haze ate a sandwich as one does and then was rocked out on the couch. Yeah. Where the owner dutifully put a blanket on him and said, well, just let him sleep it off. Sure. You know, sure. cause I got John Belushi. I have John Belushi at my yeah, house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's where Dan Ackboy found him. Yeah. Yeah. That is just one of the many stories. Yeah. They come from the backstory of, of the blues brothers. Um, it's so it's a cartoon of a film. John Belushi, this film, however, it sees him at the height of his powers. Mm -hmm. He is charismatic. Mm -hmm. He is funny. Mm -hmm. He is incredibly talented, mm -hmm. incredibly nimble for a man who is not a small man. Mm -hmm. Um, and has a bit of a voice. The man can sing. Yeah. The yeah. man can get he, over he, he, a soul song. He can carry a tune. He can carry a tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, I would argue, maybe never better as the sidekick to John Belushi. My second favorite, Dan Aykroyd. You know, I'm a trading places man. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But as good as he is with Eddie Murphy, mm -hmm. he is, to me, Better, he's better as the sidekick to John Belushi. I, I agree with because you. there is yeah, a, there, I agree with there you. is a a, a, a a of course grown in synergy between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, that just bleeds off the screen. They they and and Elwood, his Elwood blues a lot more deadpan, a lot more you know. A lot more um, reined in of a performance, mm -hmm. but nevertheless, just as funny, just as energetic when he needs to be yeah. in his way. And Dan Aykroyd, as we learned on We Are the World, can carry a tune as well. So they play harmonica. They play the harmonica. Yeah, oh yeah. So he get, he gets that over. So 
the beautiful part about this is that there's no cutting to someone else singing as the Blues Brothers. Right. These are the Blues Brothers. They have a they and. In 1980, they're both in their early 30s. So they've grown up on soul music of the late 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and this was the music of their childhood and music that was near and dear to them. So they wanted to pay homage to it, not only by, you know, writing original songs in that in uh, uh, that harken back to that sound, mm -hmm. but also wanted to have representation of that sound in their film. Right. Thus, we have James Brown, John Lee Hooker, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles mm -hmm. in this film, um, not only as cameos, but we have them performing. Yes. You know, and, and none of these performers, none of these performers, even the great Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin at this time in 1980, are at the height of their powers. No. They still have kind of like, you know, great years to come ahead of them, but they're both, they're, all of them are at middling points in their career. Right. How do their powers, but their careers are in a bit of a lull. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a better yeah. said. Mm -hmm. um, and boy, do they have a coming out party on, mm -hmm. on the Blues Brothers. Yes, they do. Um, each and every one of them. You can argue that, James Brown always, you know, about the live performance, you know, he he's, he's doing James Brown, right? He, you know, he, he's being James Brown, Ray, Char Ray Charles, funky as ever. He's, is actually electric. He is he actually, actually electric. Um, and John Lee Hooker is only, only a little bit of him. And he, he's, he's, he's John Lee Hooker. He's, mm -hmm. he, he's like, you know, you take me as, take me as I come. Right. Know, and we take him as he comes. But Aretha Franklin, Aretha Franklin is a problem in 1980, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Aretha Franklin told you, you better think. Mm. And you better think twice if you thought she was playing. Yeah. Because Aretha Franklin is taking no prisoners mm -hmm. in this film. She almost steals the movie. Yeah. And she's in there for maybe all of 10 minutes. It, it, I think it's six minutes, 51 seconds. Right. Yeah. And she's because they, they, they have the clip mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it's right. not even 10 minutes. So, so not even yeah, 10 at minutes, all. But almost steals the film. Yeah. She is oh, yeah. so powerful and electric and saucy and sensual and sexy and just a beast in this movie. Like so much so that Retha, who. It's not used to lip singing and, and not an actress, you know, mm -hmm. you know, famously not an actress. They had to they had to clip together her performance because she she, she was like, I don't know about this lip singing. I'm just singing. Y'all right. right. follow me. Right. Y'all just make it happen. Right. And that's what she did. Right. And she just sang and just went for it and 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 and, and, and tears the roof down. Um, and it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing in this movie. Uh, and then we come to, you know, we talked about the blues brothers. We talk about those, those cameos. Then you go to the band, which is actual performers from actual bands. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pieced together, horn sections, guitar sections, all of them pieced together to, um, 
create the Blues Brothers band that right. would actually go out on tour. Right. And, 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 and most of them are legendary session legendary, players. Legendary session players uh, in this uh, um, from other bands. I, I mentioned Blood, Sweat and Tears. Um, it, it's so many. I, I, I can list them all and we'd be here. That'd be the whole damn review. Mm-hmm. It all culminates together in just a fun romp of a movie yeah. that I enjoyed returning to. Um, and this homage to soul music, mm-hmm. the love and affection that they mm-hmm. have yep. for the music itself mm-hmm. does bleed off the screen. Mm-hmm. It feels 100% authentic and heartfelt. You know, they've fought to have these performers in the, in the film, right. the studios wanted them to get someone younger such as Rufus, right. um, I mean, Rolls Royce, right. um, which is why you have Shaka Khan showing up in a blink as you, you can miss it moment right. in the choir. She doesn't really have a solo. Right. Um, she's, she's just there. You just, if you know her, you're like, that's Shaka Khan. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why she, they kind of like shoehorn it her in there. If the studio had their way, they would have shoehorned even more performers in sure. there. But the, uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and John Landis to his, to his credit, buying in on his stars, um, eat it. We're like, no, we gotta have the, this is who they want. This, this is who it's going to be. And trust me, the audience will consider them and enjoy them. And the audience absolutely does. There are dance performances in this show, in this movie that leap off the screen screen that that are you know we've talked about how if you're going to film dancing film it so that you can appreciate the dance it's filmed correctly yeah. you know John Landis not known for musicals films it spot on there's only famously one scene there he he cuts off the head of a of the saxophone player in the but I think there's something to that Oh really? Mm-hmm. You Go think, ahead. Do you think well anyway but but, but and John Landis has apologized for that. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just it's just a, a bouncy movie that it's close to two. I think it's a, it's a it's two plus it's hours. Two, it's a little bit over two hours, yeah. but it bounces. You don't really feel mm-hmm. the time, um, and it's an action movie because it has one of the most historic car chase scenes mm-hmm. as the bottom third of this movie that has ever been put to film. This movie literally drops a car from a helicopter about three to 400 feet in the air. Yeah. Drops it to the ground. This is the, before the days of CG, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. this is a real car being dropped in, in, in downtown Chicago. Yeah. It is insane. It is absolutely insane. We can, we will talk about, whether or not this is a black film or not mm-hmm. on the other side. But right now I am telling you, I am burying the lead. I would absolutely recommend that people watch the blues brother. I had fun all over again. Oh, it's, it's it is without hyperbole. One of my favorite I want to say comedies, but truth be told, it's one of my favorite movies. Mm. I absolutely love the Blues Brothers. And I think the reason people even ask, is it a black film? 
goes to what you just talked about, like the the, the sheer deference mm-hmm. that John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd have to these performers is so admirable. Even years later, I, I think the 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 iconic Aretha Franklin scene, you really see it again, as, as you mentioned, the blues brothers are, you could argue it's a vanity project, but this is a real group. Yep. You know, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi have this great love. You, you know, they, they, they kind of sing, they perform, as you mentioned, John Belushi has a pretty okay voice like mm-hmm. like you know the film ends with a miniature concert yeah and they do well you know they've got these well-seasoned sessions players as their band this is a band yep the aretha franklin think scene always stands out to me because you know uh mike murphy the, the guitar player yeah plays aretha's husband he says, I'm going to leave, go with the Blues Brothers. She says, you know, you need to think about what you're doing. Jake and Elwood are there because they're there to convince him to go. The, the, the scene starts, the, 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 the music starts. Aretha Franklin starts singing Think, mm-hmm. her classic song, Think. I love the fact that three women who were customers yeah, yeah. begin to sing backup mm-hmm. for Aretha Franklin. Jake and Elwood sit their asses on the stools. This is our movie. Mm-hmm. We are musicians. I am a singer. I play the harmonica. But the queen is singing. And the queen has her own backup singers. <laughs> yeah. We give the film, to, like you're saying, you know, she almost steals the film, but that implies that she would have to take it. Mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi hand it to her. Yeah, yeah, hand that moment. Give this, her a- this is yours, Aretha. Mm-hmm. They don't sing back up. No. For a moment, they stand up and they dance. And even that's at the, near the end. But then even that, they go ahead and get out the way. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the saxophone player is, is and I just don't have his name in front of me right now. His head gets cut off, but that's because the camera is following Aretha. Uh, right, exactly. Right. This is about it's Aretha. And again, this, this, this is like, like, like the, the, the extension of, of, of this is so generous. Mm-hmm. And so egoless. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine two, three years later, someone like Bruce Willis in a scene like this, where you know he'd want to get the mic and want to sing a little bit? He'd want to do the. He want to be a duet, right? My beloved Eddie Murphy. There's no way Eddie Murphy is giving up this much screen time in his movie. The way that these two do. And while Aretha is the biz- biggest example of that, as, as we just said, Ray Charles is, is, is electric. Yeah. Yeah. When Cab Calloway s- sings forgot uh, about Cab, Minnie yeah. the Moocher, the Blues Brothers aren't even there. No. These men are so generous 
and so deferential and so respectful of these black artists who, as you said, none of them are at a point in their career where they are the new hot. Mm -hmm. Aretha is a little older. For a lot of people, this is their first real exposure to Cab Calloway. Or John Lee Hooker. Or John Lee Hooker. Ray Charles is, is, you know, 1980. I, I think for a lot of people, you know, it's not easy being green. Like I think people kind of know him as, as an elder statesman, I'm say elder show state. guy. Yeah. but you know, when he sits down on that keyboard mm -hmm. and I don't think it's a black film, but I admire again, how respectful they are mm -hmm. to blackness and to this black art. Much like you, I, I, I think this is a wonderful example of, of these comedies from this. Like this is my favorite. This is my favorite comedy in that little cohort of kind of early post Saturday night live movies you, mm. you know you talk you know you mentioned animal house you know you think about something like caddyshack or stripes or or but this really is the film whereas as you said i think dan Aykroyd is is fantastic as this kind of deadpan elwood blues but he still has some mischief in him He's always trying to make toast. Always trying to make toast. Look, everywhere you go, he's making toast. God, I, I want some. I want some toast. And 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 John Belushi is just, you know, I always feel a little melancholy when I see John Belushi in this film because he's so good. Mm -hmm. You can almost see him burning out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like. This John, like, there's no way you look at this film and say, this man is going to be an old man. Mm -hmm. This is not someone who's going to be an old man mm -hmm. because the charisma, the talent, the dexterity, the, 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 the wit. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, and this is probably the last time we see it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it is like like you know we talk about awesome. him you know the sort of dancing, but like I love even the quiet moments, like 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 or the moments that aren't as bombastic, like the moment where where he basically convinces Carrie Fisher's character mm -hmm. not to murder him. There's a moment where he takes his glasses off. It's the only moment he takes his glasses. off. And it bleeds off the screen how charismatic this man is and just the spirit of this man so that you completely understand why she, of course, falls for it again. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a it's it's a fun film. It's a film with a surprising amount of heart. Like the other thing that I think works real where where as I, as i said this is my second favorite dan Aykroyd film mm -hmm. 
But I do think he's better with John Belushi than he is with Inuals because you do get the sense that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi loved each other. Yes. Like these were actual oh, yeah. brothers. Oh yeah. And and it comes through with, with their chemistry. It comes through with the way they talk about each other. Again, just quiet. Like there's a, a quick moment where Dan Aykroyd, you know, where Elwood puts a blanket on Jake. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was in the script or not, but it's such a beautiful moment. Yeah, because then he sits by the window. And then he sits by the window and watches the train. And, you know, like you, I I can't, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't recommend this film enough. Like this is, this is, this is frankly one of the films that make me, that made me love films. Mm hmm. And when I think about Aretha Franklin performing, this is what pops in my mind immediately. Yeah. Like I would love to say, oh, well, I go to this and there's some footage of her from 1963. And but if I'm being honest, it's her poking Mike Murphy's check chest saying, you, you need me. You better think you better think real hard about the decisions you're making. So, yeah, this this yeah, this this is. This is, I'm, you know, I'm just glad we figured out a way to talk about the Blues Brothers. But you said you don't, th- so you don't think that this is a black film? I don't. I don't. Even though it is, I mean, I mean, it, all these performers, and, yeah. and Cab Calloway, uh, uh, you know, he performs in this, mm-hmm. but he also acts in it. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, uh, Michelle's favorite, Stephen Williams, shows up as a Stephen cop. Stephen Williams shows up as a cop. I, I actually, Disagree with you a little bit. I think Aretha Franklin does a pretty good job acting. No, she in does. this scene. She yeah. does. Oh, yeah. yeah, she she does. Yeah. Good, I forgot. Yeah, she does act as well. Um, I was I was actually a little bit on the fence about whether or not it it is a black film. I mean, they are definitely the leads. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't center the black experience at all. Mm-mm. It commemorates and celebrates black music. Yes. And presents black music mm-hmm. um, unaltered in any way. I thought it was very interesting reading the story that Cab Calloway wanted to do a disco version of Minnie the Moocher. <laughs> and because, you know, he wanted to, you know, show, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, show that I'm, I'm you know, Right. I mean, for the kids. Right. And they were like, just do Minnie the Moocher as you've always done it. And trust me, they will love it. You know what's funny about that, though? And and I can't pull the, the name of the movie off the top of my head. Remember, we watched a film a couple of years ago. Like we we we, we first saw Cab Calloway in, um, I think, Cabin in the Sky. It was either Cabin in the Sky or Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho. Right. Wait. Whichever film we saw him in first, then the second film, which it may have been Heidi Ho. Okay, maybe. It was like five, six years later. Mm-hmm. But remember, we talked about it in the review. He looked a little older. Right. Right. It was like eight years later, and yeah. it looked like he's he is so nimble. I know. In this in spry. Yeah. And I remember watching it today saying, wow, he actually has more energy in this film than he did in the film that we saw that was made like 30 years before mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's bad. He's a bad man. He's a bad look. He's a bad man. Look again, the sheer generosity <laughs> of Landis, Aykroyd, and Belushi. Mm-hmm. Because, because you know, I think the other thing that's worth mentioning: Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Cab Calloway perform complete songs. Like they just like it's not we're gonna play a clip from the song. Like it's a whole number. Yeah, the whole performance. James Brown too. Well, you know, James Brown is playing a preacher, so well, it's like yeah, you, you know, he's actually part of kind of a set piece. Mm-hmm, that's but, true. That's true. But you know, the other like you have a complete performance of many the picture. See, see, and and this is why I kind of wanna say it's a black film because how many performances of Minnie Demucher do we have on camera? Sure. How many full-blown, you know, explosion of black joy in a church right. scene do we have? You know, led by James Brown. Led by James? Aretha uh, Franklin, famously a, a shy woman, so there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of film footage of Aretha Franklin. And certainly not at this moment. And certainly not at this moment. Yeah. Um, the 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 dance the dancers during Ray Charles scene scene yeah. I mean the, the outside on the street it's like really electric um the the soundtrack with like you know keeping bringing back the the voices of Sam and Dave mm-hmm. on the soundtrack I mean and because of their deep abiding affection for this music. In a way that it doesn't feel like they're appropriating it. Not at all. There's a a, a part of me that kind of wants to land this as a black film. I can't do it. I think I, I look. If I can list Jagged Edge over the Isley Brothers Lord, as the top five brother brothers, oh, Lord, I can say the Blues Brothers is a black film. Well, look. Blues Brothers is I, I say it is I'm not saying it's the blackest film. I look, I look, but look, this is why we have the conversation. It, this is why we're having the conversation. It's, it's got enough you, melanin you in it. You have to agree. I say it's a black okay, film. Okay, all right. I say it's a black film. I don't think it's a black film, but I think it's a film everybody black should see. Well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you thought. Some of you we know already think this is a black film. I want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. As 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 we've mentioned, this and King of New York mm-hmm. have are the films that people have pressed us yeah. for definitive answers almost from like like from the very from the beginning. First, yeah. The beginning of the mission. Right, right. People So I want to hear from all of you. Yeah. Don't leave me hanging. Cause I don't want to be reading 12 emails like Lyndon lost his mind. 
calling the Blues Brothers a black film. I don't want to hear from Lisa Alexander giving me like, you know, giving me like a, a, a syllabus on why this is not a black film. I need to hear from all of you who who share with me the thought that this is a a black, a, a very, very, very high yellow. Let's see. <laughs> black Okay. All right. Let's pull it back in. Let's okay. Have to go off the rails. <laughs> this is how it we were is. Almost this is done. New York. <laughs> we, we were almost. We were right there. there. <laughs> Let us know what you thought, ladies and gentlemen. Regardless, it's a great film. Yes, it is a great film. It's you should see the film, film. Really regardless is. of whether you agree with mm-hmm. me in regards to its status. Right. It's melanin yes. status. But let us know what you think. Email us at themeshowmission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Hey, the air conditioner is back on. All right. <laughs> um, the Michelle Mission, which is streamed and filmed live every week right here from young chunk philadelphia's premier video podcast palace hit up dylan at youngjunk.com that's d-y-l-a-n at youngjunk.com it's right there for your spelling pleasure and book your your time in one of the fabulous studios that they have set here set here at youngjunk.com the Michelle Mission is also on all your favorite social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Michelle Mission, and on YouTube, where you can hit the bell and subscribe to the Michelle Mission and let be notified whenever we put up new videos and when we're going to go live and tell a friend so that they can subscribe so we can build our numbers. We're a very young, fledgling YouTube channel, but we would like to become a more prosperous YouTube channel. And we need help from you. Yes. So if you like what you're seeing, like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Spread the word. Spread the word. Especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us a five-star rating and review that helps people find our show, The Me Show Mission, which is available as a podcast on all the podcast directories. And it's a proud member of The Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. All right. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a banner to show you, but we do have a film to tell you to look out for is Brent. I'm about to say Brentson's. It's Vincent's <laughs> selection next week. And he dipped into the crates back into 1972 for a, this is a film that I was not aware of mm-hmm. that stars, this stars, of I Spy. Yeah. Bill Cosby and Robert Culp in. Oh, God, I just forgot the name of it. Hobbs and Hobbs in, 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 and and. <laughs> Lynn, I wasn't ready. I, you were talking and, you know, there's a part that you do. So I had turned my brain off. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh Lord, let me select it. I know it's Higby and Digby. <laughs> We've never heard. I've never heard of this film. Vincent came up with this film. 
Well, you know, the bad thing is I, I came up because it was uh, um, we were talking about uh, Walter Hill, Hickey and Boggs. Oh, yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. Yes, Hickey and Boggs. Hickey and Boggs. You better yes. make sure this is streaming. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's around. I didn't know. It well, it's, it's around. I'll just say it's okay. around. What's it called? Hickey? Hickey and Boggs. Hickey and Boggs. Yeah. Bill Cosby and Robert Culp. 1972, directed by Walter Hill. Yeah, oh yeah. Next week, here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams, with co-production by Mo Poplar. Check out Mo's family travel podcast, Bon Amigos, at ashyfeet.com. Original music is provided by Alexa Gold. Visit Alexa Gold Music at Bandcamp for more of her melodies. The Michelle Mission is edited by Len Webb and produced for YouTube at Yunk Junk. Visit Dylan at YunkJunk.com for more information. 